And we are in DFN Universe. One hour of black power thinking. Um, welcome back, Dr. Moore. Welcome to DFN Universe. Peace to God. Peace. And the earth. Indeed. Um, wanted to get started today. Um, there's so many things that I'm... Are crazy in the world, and we happen to be one of them this week um, with the siege on um, the U.S. Capitol. And um, when I looked it up, four people had died. I only um, expected one had died from um, the assault. Uh, one of them was one of the Capitol police officers. He succumbed to his um, injuries. Um, wasn't clear exactly how um, they were mortally wounded, but um, I wanted to read off the names of those who were um, killed in this tragedy. And it is a tragedy, even if it's not my side of the um, tragedy. War is never good for anyone. Um, how are you doing this week, brother? Oh, bro, I'm not complaining. Cool. Any opening remarks? No, bro. I'm ready to go in um, on, on your topic at, at hand. Okay. Um, you know that... Um, Kim Kardashian is Kanye West about to be divorced. Did you hear that? Yeah, and that absolutely has no impact on my life whatsoever. <laughs> Speak for yourself, brother. I'm trying to marry which rich and white. <laughs> That's a little humor. <laughs> Let's <laughs> see how that works out. Yeah, how's that working out for you, brother? Yeah, how's that working out for them? Yes. I think, according according to what I heard about that, mm-hmm. was her final score was him um, uh, refusing not to run for president. <laughs> I thought you were going to say him fucking with Jeffree Star. Uh, There was a rumor going around that he was uh, messing with um, this person. And, uh, you know, I have to fact check because Facebook is kind of like the uh, black people's encyclopedia. As I told you before, not all black people. I have to be very careful, especially around you. I've seen you raise one eyebrow, so I have to be very care, but uh, careful. But um, we we seem to take news and information off of Facebook and run with it. Some of us in the black well, community. Well, you know, Hillary. <clears throat> what Hillary um, said about Facebook was when they when they did the research on why she lost. One of the things that she said that, that they discovered was that they didn't realize that over 50% of America's population 
over 50 percent of america's population mm. get their news from facebook hmm. <laughs> so that speaks a lot about the intellect of a lot of people in american society hmm. the american the american populace right and so if if you are only getting your source of information your source of news from facebook that says a lot about what you what you know and what you don't know what you've been exposed to and a lot about um your level of sophistication in terms of intelligence hmm. indeed indeed we are at the 444 mark in df and universe and um we wanted to um talk about the capital but before i go to such a serious subject i wanted to mention um the give you a congratulations on the um washington football team being the champions of the nfc east i was a former cowboy fan and i, I still try to look them up every now and then to uh, see how they're doing and it's usually terrible and this year was no different um they they fired the defensive line coach and the defensive um coach for the dallas cowboys in light of the um inability to make the playoffs and well it, go ahead. They, 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 they they kept the offensive coach they kept right. the offensive line coach. And the coach. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what sense that made. Not a um, damn bit, but um, this is what happens when you have a billionaire who thinks he can be the owner and the head coach and just have people in there as head figures. Like uh, Mike Nolan was... Um, suggested that he was hired because um, he would listen to whatever Jerry Jones said and Stephen Jones. Well, the team is running itself into the ground. But uh, let's talk about Washington. Congratulations. Well, I would like to say, you know, I told you so, but I, I won't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, yes, and, sir. And just, for, and just for future information as it relates to uh, <laughs> your, your capital, mm-hmm. uh, if you want any future predict- predictions, just ask me. And, I, and I'll let you know what you all are going to do. You, you'll let me know what I, th- what, what I should think. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put you out of your misery. All right. Thank you for that, brother. Um, I guarantee one thing. You guys will not make it to the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> I guarantee that, <laughs> as they say in Louisiana. And speaking of Washington, we are going to stay with this subject into um, Washington, D.C., as this week became the week that the U.S. Capitol, the second time in history that the U.S. Capitol was under siege. Um, Four people died, so on a serious note, we'd like to say rest in peace. I might as well say me, 
Rest in peace, Ashley Babbitt, 35 year old of Huntington, Maryland. I didn't know she was from Huntington, Maryland. Um, was killed and shot by a Capitol Police officer as she tried to break through a door inside the Capitol. And she was a, um, a military person, I think from the Air Force. The other two, so uh, rest in peace, Ashley Babbitt. The other three people killed during this scourge were Benjamin Phillips, 50, of Rington, Pennsylvania. Kevin Greason, 55, of Athens, Alabama. And Roseanne Boylan, 34, of Kennesaw, Georgia. Died of medical emergencies Metropolitan Police Department Police Chief Robert Conti said during a press conference. Wow. Um, we know that um, these are very serious times. Um, I think Kevin Greason was the um the police officer that died from this um the he was one of the capital police officers and he had a heart attack and died during this um the um, scourge or conflict in um the nation's capital what say you to this, brother? Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, honestly, you know what I feel like? <clears throat> In ways, I feel like um, you asking me this question is the question that was asked Malcolm hmm. when Arnold Bellagio told him not to, to speak about um, Kennedy's death. Hmm. And I feel like asking me this question um, the first thought that comes to my mind is, um, chickens coming home to roast. Hmm. Um, that would be a very poignant statement, brother, because, um, one of the things that we know is that, uh, the United States government officially on record has their hands clean but under the table and agencies like the CIA and other secret um, fraternities within the United States um, government that may not be on record of um, undermining the government and sovereignties of other nations uh, two days ago that uh, table was turned. And it seems like um, there was an attempt to um, usurp the law of the land for the United States government. Um, <clears throat> we don't know how serious the attempt was, but the fact that people died is going to make it a historical point that cannot be ignored. 
Um, so that's where we're at, and that's where we're starting in DF and Universe. We are at the 12 minute mark, and um, it's. I wanted to get into a discussion of um, the way that um, we are treated in Black Lives Matter protests as compared to um, Proud Boys and other uh, people of that ilk that supported Trump. The fact that they were able to get so far into such a secure federal building on um, what's the word I'm looking for they weren't uninhibited right there you go uninhibited yeah so I think for me um, what I see is a classic case of white privilege hmm. uh, I think what I see is a classic case of white entitlement Hmm. And I think that this is historically what white Americans have felt and what they do when they feel like something has been taken from them. Hmm. And so what we saw on Wednesday was these white people who feel entitled and who felt like the election was taken from them and they were going to take their country back. Hmm. And I think that that speaks volumes to what to the platform that Trump ran on in terms of make America great again. Um, the fact that these people would blindly follow this guy to the end of the world, to the end of their life, just on no no evidence, but just strictly on his directing, directing them and telling them go to the Capitol and him directing them to tell them that they should that the election was stolen from them and that they should do something about it. These were misguided people. These were misinformed people. And these were people who felt entitled to this country. And even though the majority of the country voted for someone else, while their biggest argument was that it was a illegal election or it was rigged, it was only, they only felt like that because they didn't win. And that is how the South felt when we had the Civil War. It, mm -hmm. it, it didn't matter to them, and it had mattered to them that they have lost. They have continued to buy into this concept that they don't care that they lost, but that the South will rise again, that they will rise again. And so we have this repeated history of people who think like that and who think that they can do the things that they that they did when they stormed the Capitol to go in while you had elected officials that were there to do their job and that was to announce and appoint the newly elected president. They did not want to accept that reality, just like the South didn't want to accept that reality of them having to give up slave, slaves and give up slavery. So what did they do in return? They revolted. And so what we saw was a repeat of history in 2021. Hmm. That is something that um, we won't soon forget. It was a tragic event, and I wasn't surprised 
that um, the attack took place. In fact, um, we have gone through discussions on this podcast, The Effing Universe, of protesting. And uh, we were talking about black people putting themselves in harm's way. And uh, it's usually for us trying to fight against injustice heaped upon us in this nation. And this is um, like the first time of my life, I know it's happened before, that um, but this is the first time to see it from the other perspective of um, white people being, uh, having a feeling of injustice when they, um, the president claimed to be the legitimate uh, winner of the election. I can't help but um, come to the conclusion, um, I know you're not going to like this, but <laughs> how voting itself is um, something that is frivolous in terms of... Um, us as a, a part. <laughs> I see that eyebrow go up. You got that rock uh, eyebrow going up, brother. But uh, we tend to be involved or engaged in frivolity. Um, and uh, some of it is, is entertaining. Like uh, uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad didn't want us to be engaged in viewing sports and going to the movies, things like that. Because he said that um, they could be harmful, not only to us in a physical manner, but um, mentally we wouldn't have the fight in us to um, focus on ourselves. Um... I think, yes, this uh, incident was an indictment on that statement that um, we as black people need to focus on ourselves. Um, Voting may be one way to do that, but um, does it give you any pause or reservation that we... Right. No, no. I figured and, as and, much. And, and, yeah, no, no, bro. We wouldn't even be entertaining this conversation if it were not for voting. If it were not for voting, we wouldn't have a newly elected uh, president. If it were not for voting, we wouldn't have a new Senate that's about to take place. Um, we don't We don't have a legitimate argument, in my opinion, if we're going to have a discussion that excludes voting. Voting is the change that we as people um, and we as people of color in America that has legitimized us as it relates to laws. If we don't have laws on the book that are going to legitimize who we are, who our rights are, how we are going to progress in this country, then we are simply going to be rock throwers, we'll simply be sideliners, we're simply not going to be an effective part of this country if we are not a part of the laws that affect this country. 
So if we are not going to, I, I, I think what Stacey Abrams did should be the epitome and the example of um, how you show um, your effectism in terms of voting. Stacey Abrams lost, but as a result of her losing, her, her loss was legitimate, but she went back to Atlanta and she legitimized voting in Atlanta. She mobilized people in, in Atlanta in a way that people, not in Atlanta, um, in Georgia, in a, in a way that they had, if people of color, she, she mobilized them in a way that they historically have not ever been. And so as a result of her doing that, Georgia is a state that historically has voted a particular way, which is Republican. Now, for the first time in a very long time, if ever, Georgia voted blue, not only for the president, but for the Senate. And for the first and for the first time in a long time, now we have a majority in the Senate and we have a Democratic president. I think that if we don't understand voting, how it works, it's almost like um, it's almost like what Dr. Francis Chris Wellesley talked about in her book when she talked about racism and when she quoted Nigel Fuller. And she said, if you don't understand racism, how it works, then everything in life that you seek to understand will only confuse you. I say that about voting. If you don't understand voting and how it works in America, then everything else that you seek to understand about America's system will only confuse you. Because if you're not going to participate, if you're not going to be a part of that, then everything else that you want to do and try to do, try to be effective of in America is not going to work. Hmm. That is um, interesting, brother. We're at the 22-minute mark in DF and Universe. We are past the one-minute, uh, the first leg of... Um, this three-leg segment, and we are talking about um, black power. Um, I guess I'll leave it at that right there. I don't want to get into another debate on uh, the um, legitimacy of uh, black voting, but I do want to talk about the um, good versus evil. And... Um, the the um the light versus the dark as it um refers to um this divide in America what side we're on and we'll be right back after these messages peace stay on the line brother Sister Ebony has joined the podcast. I don't know if she wants to speak, but uh, I just admitted her to come in. How much time left in that 40 minutes? Hold on a second. 40 minutes. And 
and we are back in DF and Universe. Welcome back, Dr. Moore. I left off the podcast with, um, after the opening volley, um, to your side of the court of this, um, not necessarily black and white, but, uh, good and evil as a topic, um, to further us in this discussion, uh, as the backdrop of what occurred in the U.S. Capitol two to three days ago, where there was a siege on the Capitol, and, um, people felt that they were, um, marginalized. White privilege, marginalization. (laughs) Uh, And they were going to take back the country. We don't know. You obviously can't be serious. But there were a great number of people there. And they were there from different states. They were coming all the way from California. Now, when black people protest, okay, um, it may be a good or bad thing, but I I have to restart the Zoom. I must be at the 40-minute mark. Uh, We'll be right back after this message. I'll send you an email invite, brother. Peace. And we'll be right back in DF and Universe. And we are back in DF and Universe. One hour of black power thinking. Sorry for the delay. Um, Just a little technical difficulties. We are broadcasting on Zoom. Um... And sometimes it doesn't coincide with uh, broadcasting simultaneously on Anchor. But we are back and we are talking about the um, this light and dark um, position in the American government and our participation in that. Um in light of the uh, U.S. Capitol siege that happened two days ago. Four people died. Um, I I don't think we could, unless we can talk about the political aspect of um, what that meant in terms of the attack. Do you have anything to say on the political aspect before we get into the mind of socially aversive people? Um, wanted to talk about um, people like the nation, like myself, that don't see this society as working and don't see things like voting as working. And I have to be a little arrogant and saying, I told you so, well, I have an I told you so moment about um, what we saw uh, transpire in the U.S. Capitol 
with um, predominantly white mob that maybe our parents and ancestors saw. And the only good thing about it was that um, they were not um, as successful as mobs, white mobs may have been in the past, particularly the Ku Klux Klan's effectiveness to um, do terror upon the American people because they felt slighted in some type of way or felt that their privilege was being attacked. These are the um, the dark minds that I was talking about. Um, but I understand that we <clears throat> you can reverse that in any type of way that you want. The people that you think are dark, like the Donald Trumps of the world, look at you as dark, look at you as the enemy and that your ideas and system of government governing as being the problem and they are doing something right and on that note i wanted to get back into the discussion brother um I'm, that's an interesting perspective because Psychologically or politically, if you want to use the terminology, um, what is it, uh, dark personality? Mm -hmm. If 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 you first identify that you or someone has a dark personality, then that is an admission that you think differently, you think dark, and you think negative. So mm. that's, so if that, if that is an admission on your, your part, not you per se, but if that's an admission on one's part, right? And they're saying, okay, I think differently, I think dark, I think negative. And so, and if Donald Trump is a representative of that, it, 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 it says to me that I admit that I am in a negative space, that I see the world in a negative place, and I see this guy representing my negative space. And 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 so it says to me, I politically I recognize that I have lost, but I don't want to accept that I have lost. And so as a result of me losing, I am now going to inflict violence. I am now going to do um, anything that's dark that's in my mind of where I live and, and my space of existence and that's what I'm going to inflict on the world well if that's where you are negatively if that's where you are politically it speaks volumes of how wrong that is and and, and it speaks volumes of why it it didn't work and why it doesn't work and so when we when we spoke earlier when we're talking about the Civil War, it's why the Civil War didn't work. It's, 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 it's people saying, I want to continue to enslave a group of people. I don't care that it's wrong. I don't care that we're killing people. I don't care that we're making them work for free. 
it's advancing who I am. It's subjective, it's limiting, it's, it's narrowing in terms of perspective and reality. And you don't care about anyone else but yourself. You're only seeing things from one perspective and that's your perspective. That's not fair to the world. It's really not fair to you and it's not fair to anyone else when you think and behave that way. So in, 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 in psychology, you know, if we talk about cognitive behavior, then what we would talk about is cognitive is the way you think, behavior is the way you behave, right? So if that's the way you think, then that's the way you behave. But if that's self-destructive, then that's what you need to change. You need to change your thought process so that your behavior will be, def will be different. And if you're not doing that, then you're manifesting the evil or the negativity that's in your brain. Yes, sir. So, polit so, so politically, it, it, I, I don't know, you, you can kind of try to separate it politically or psychologically, but it's almost one and the same. It's, Donald Trump said before this even happened, he said, if I lose, then it was an illegal election. Then there was fraud. If I win, then it, then it wasn't. <laughs> Psychologically, that doesn't make sense. Hmm. So you're saying, I'm only going to see this one way. I'm only going to see this the way in which I'm winning, right? If I win, then it was legitimate. Then everybody voted for me. That's, that's narcissistic. Right. That's the narcissistic uh, tendency of human behavior. Um, it, it's not limited to people that uh, think like Trump. It's the the other side of that coin also has to have a narcissistic behavior in order to believe that they are right. Yeah, but it's, but it's, but it's negative and it's self-defeating. Right? It's, it's, it's only if it's going to work for you. So if your thought mm -hmm. process is, I, you know, I'm only going to think in a way that is going to work for me, mm -hmm. then that's counterproductive, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, like I can't say, um, okay, you know, I know I need to pass this exam. I know I need to pass these, these comprehensive exams. I know I need to pass this um, licensure exam but I don't want to study, right? So my thought process is even if you study, you pass, you know, because because I, I didn't, I want to blame someone else for me not doing what I needed to do. Hmm. That's, that's irrational thinking, right? So, and, and, and so whatever perspective you want to have about voting, again, voting was, a voting is the reason we're having this conversation. Right. Voting is the reason why we have a new president. Voting right. is the reason why we have a why we have a new Senate. So whether or not you believe it works for you or not, whether or not you participated in it or not, it's an irrational thinking to me. If you're gonna say I didn't participate in it, so I don't like it and I don't like the turnout. That's subjective and is narrow in thinking. And no, just because then you participate in counter to that no. is the the fact that um there has to be in your psyche the the 
not you personally, but the psyche of the person that votes, it has to be in his psyche that it's a means to an end, a productive means to an end. And that in itself is narcissistic. Not necessarily, though. You don't, you don't, you're not... According, according to the person, yes, it, it's, it's not narcissistic. It's, it's actually helping. But do you see that the people that attacked the Capitol thought that they were helping? No, because I think the people that attacked the Capitol are as brainwashed as many people that go to church or go to the mosques. Right. Right? Because, right, you could go to church and believe that because you go to church, you're going to heaven. You could believe that if you go to the mosque and you read the Quran, that you're going to heaven. Right? You, you can believe that. Right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that. So what? What? In, so I think a lot of people that showed up at the Capitol were like a lot of people that feel like because I'm a Christian or because I'm a Muslim, this is where I'm going. And so they believe that because they believe in Trump, this is what they should do. Hmm. Right. And so to me, that that's what I consider extremism. So I think that their extremism and what they believe is their misfortune and their misguidance. Right. And so it it is it's, it's not that if I if I vote means that I believe that my vote is going to change the world. It just believes that subjectively for me, this is my perspective, limited for me, not for the world. But for me to pass judgment on everybody else that doesn't believe like I believe, so I'm gonna show up at the Capitol because my belief is so strong. And it's stronger than everybody else. I'm going to go and vandalize the, the, the capital, and I'm going to go and stop the vote that's going to allow someone else to become president. That is extreme. Hmm. Which is what I was um, alluding to earlier. There has to be within certain people, like the nation, like the uh, protesters that attacked the capital. There has to be some notion of um, this wanting or desire for to be a social aversion, a social, anti-social behavior. And does it necessarily mean that we are wrong or bad? Well, it does if, if, if it's impacting other people. You could do whatever you want to do as it relates to you. But when you start breaking into buildings and vandalizing buildings based on your own personal beliefs, then that's problematic and self-destructive. That is correct. And that's what I meant by how about them damn Yankees? Not the baseball team, but um, the Yankees <laughs> that are going to um, not only have their um, social aversion, to the way things are going. But whenever that's um, the way things are going is not working for them, they're willing to kill for it. And um, you don't have the right you don't have the right to do that. Then you, we have to do, have the right. then we have to discuss uh, war. Because at some point, right or wrong, you are going to have to put yourself in a mindset that I need to stop whatever is trying to advance or encroach on my position. 
if we go back to football, it's all about offense and defense. And each of us gets a turn or volley at um, responding to somebody's offense. And depending on how well we are, they don't get to score if our defense is good. And then we get to take the offense. And um, it leads to the question of to the victor goes the spoils. So whether we think uh, the people that went into the Capitol are right or wrong, or whether we think that the people that vote are right or wrong, somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. I hope that the, um, the progress that was made in Georgia in the last two days in light of this U.S. Capitol attack, where voting has now made the Senate uh, a majority Democrat by one person, Kamala Harris, by the way. Um, that's uh, how many seats in the Senate that um, Kamala Harris has the veto power now to um, anything Republican. Or is this country going to a shithole? Was the attack a um, indication of the Civil War being on its last leg? Or is it a resurgence of the Civil War? Is that a question for me? Mm-hmm. Was was that attack um, a um, an indication of the the right losing or the right uh, gaining momentum? I think that I, I think that that question in and of itself is is, is was problematic. It is not about winning or losing, and when you look at it that way, about the right winning or the left winning. Because I want to see myself as an American citizen, um, and then this took taking me a long time to get to that place because I didn't always see myself like that. But because I see myself as an American citizen, it's not about right or left. We're 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 all American citizens, and I think the biggest problem that I had with Trump is that he only saw himself as a president for people that liked him. He only saw himself as a president for the Republican Party. And he demonized everybody else that didn't believe, and he fired everybody else that didn't believe and think like him. And I think that that is the worst example of leadership. I think that's the worst example of a president that we should ever have. So, it's, it, to me, I don't even want to. I think it's problematic um, to think about it as a result of who won the right or the left. The American people won. The people that voted won. Because they wanted to see a change, so those people that participated, whether your whether your candidate won or lost, it was a win for everybody. Because everybody that voted voted their conscience, they voted they voted for the one that they felt like would be the most productive for the country. And in this situation, Joe Biden won, and Joe Biden, as it relates to the country people felt like he would be the best leadership for, for the country. So it's not a left or right for me, but it's 
a win for the country hmm. because the country didn't like in the way that they voted they didn't like what Donald Trump was doing and they did not like the divisiveness that he was creating in the country and so the country voted different it brings me to the point of um the saying strange bedfellows or strange alliances that develop um the fact that certain people who are totally adverse in um, ideology can somehow find an alliance um, because they want to see a particular means come to an end. And so they work together or work separately, but are accomplishing the same mission. The the people that um, attack the Capitol are not going to be satisfied with your definition of a win. And what I wanted to know is... Because they're going to prison. <laughs> yeah, what I wanted to know was, is this an indication, just from your perspective, your personal opinion, is this an indication that the Confederacy is dying or is resurging? I, you know, I don't think it's either one. I think that the Confederacy will always be here because I think that's a part of the American foundation. I don't know that it will ever go any, any place. I think there will always be a place in America, um, in America's foundation for, for them. And um, that's sad. They, yeah, uh, it's sad, but it's a reality. Um, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I and think, so um, is racism going to continue in America? Absolutely. Based on that, brother, I got you in a trap. <laughs> based on that conclusion, I think we both agreed that based on that conclusion, we need to have a backup plan. Why? Because racism racism exists? No, because racism, racism will never go away. But how does that... I understand. So If it won't go racism, away, no matter how much we participate, and let's participate in this government. Let's, let's, let's do all of the things positive that we can out of this nation. But just in case it fails, we need a backup plan. Is that fair? I'm confused. <clears throat> you can be confused I, I that, all you want, brother. But do we need a backup plan? Okay, so let me let me just elaborate. <laughs> so I think I don't know what this backup plan is, but what I do think <laughs> is that in, in spite of racism, and historically in this country, in spite of racism, black people have still achieved. And I think that in spite of racism, black people will continue to achieve. I don't think that eliminating racism is going to be the answer to black people's achievement. I think that in spite of racism, black people will still achieve. And I think that we can't think that racism is going to lead in order for us to achieve. I think that we have to think in spite of racism, we still achieve. And in, in, in spite of whatever um, uh, uh, in evils that we face that we still achieve. It's not about racism. It's not about, 
you, those things will always exist as long as we live in America, but not only as long as we live in America, but as long as we live in the world, we will always have adversities, but it's not, you know, eliminating adversity so that we can achieve. It's achieving in spite of adversity. So I don't really care so much about racism. What I care about is our fighting desire to achieve in spite of whatever, whatever adversities that we meet. I, I agree. Um, one one of the things that um, I was trying to attempt in this segment of uh, DF and Universe was to bring the conversation back to us because all of these tragic events will happen in U.S. history. Um, maybe not as frequent as um, one may think or to the contrary as a surprise to most people. Who, who like good democracy and right thinking. But these things will occur. And what we have to do as black people is to continually be thinking about black power. Not in the sense of um, going against the government, but as a necessary evil that will help us no matter what this country does or does not do. And that self-empowerment is the way we need to be thinking, whether we're participating in this government or not. And yeah. we, go ahead. No, I just think that um, sometimes I think that we, um, I don't know if I want to use the word disagree, but I think where we go off kill sometimes with one another is when you think about when, uh, when I hear you talk about black power I think I hear you talk about it as a collective and I yes. think that when I hear black power I think individually yes sir because I don't think that um, we we get to black power um, without first thinking individually that is correct what I need to do in, in order to get there because I, I don't know how you impact the whole without impacting the, the, you the first without empowering yourself first that is correct right. um, but what, what happened at the US Capitol was those individuals had to collectively form a viable um answer but they didn't it was so viable enough to to they, to to amass itself that they they they, no. they came together so yeah it, they, 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 they that had together. that had that didn't just come through out of osmosis that came through through individuals who empowered themselves getting on a plane <laughs> now let me show you how this how serious this was. It was serious and it was not serious at the same time. People came from all across the nation to come to there. Well, like like we did when the Million Man March. We our intention wasn't to storm the Capitol, but it had to be some type of individual power that said that we need to form this collective. 
and go and make our intentions felt to the world, to the nation and the world. Um, right, wrong, or indifferent, they are here to stay. Um, the same thing with people like the nation. Some people don't see our viability going forward in a progressive society. But we say racism is not going anywhere. It's alive and well, and you will see it on TV. But the revolution will not be televised. Last words before we go to another segment, brother. Um, well, you just did a lot, uh, so I just want to... Um, Take your time. Um, I think what I saw... Um, with these people coming together was a bunch of, um, I don't think um, that they had a plan and an effective mission. I think that what they had Your mic just went dead. Your mic just went dead. Your mic went dead. Check your mic. This is something on my end. Warline, warline. No, it's not my end. At least I don't think it is. No, it's not. Yep, because I can still hear Ebony. Your mic went dead, brother. What what we'll do, um, we are in DF and Universe, one hour of black power thinking. We'll be right back after this technical difficulty. The forces are aligning against us once again, but we are ready for the fight. We'll be right back after these messages. Peace. <laughs> And we are back in the effing universe. All types of all types of opposition is on the other end tonight, brother. <laughs> Put on the full arm of God tonight. <laughs> As they say in the five percent, you gone. <laughs> you gonna have to be that tonight. <laughs> These forces are not playing with it. I was telling James tonight, I said, yeah, you better be ready. These niggas don't mind killing you. If they can kill white folks, they ain't got no problem killing your nigga behind. Well, I don't think they had intention on killing white folks. Um, hmm. Which is why they got so far. Right. It, right. It's I, very I... hard. And, and you 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 can't blame them, which is what I was talking. God, damn. I'm on Instagram, and you you ain't got to turn this motherfucker on before you see some flesh that will make you lose your religion, brother. <laughs> <laughs> trying to go live on IG, and I'm distracted immediately. <laughs> God forgive me. Uh, 
Yeah, I was telling James that um, these motherfuckers are not playing with you at all. Well, yeah, I, I think that's the case when it comes to people of color. Um, it definitely is not the case when it comes to um, non-people of color mm-hmm. um, because they definitely get a pass. Um, we not only saw them open up the, the floodgates to allow them onto the Capitol, but we also saw them taking um, selfies inside the Capitol with these um, treasonous uh, <laughs> arson uh, uh, destroyers of property. Um, so definitely a different caliber of um, how they Personally see us and how they see Black them. Black Lives Matter rally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but that's the point I was trying to remember. Um, we have to understand what we saw in this attack on the U.S. Capitol was the inability to fire upon yourself. That's what that was. Now, the the fact that there's no hesitation and firing upon black people and uh, just like a traffic stop of uh, selling a Lucy that we can die immediately is different from people that are armed, masked, and potentially very dangerous. Um, the two pipe bombs were recovered. Uh, two shotguns, something like that. Some type of arsenal was available to the people that attacked the U.S. Capitol. And yet, it, it, surpri- it may surprise some that only one person was killed. And um, I think they, they fired on her too early. Ashley Bannett or something like that is her name. Don't want to forsake her in the tragic loss of her life. Um, I don't care if you think she was right or wrong. She had a right to protest. That's um, part of our discussion tonight. One hour of Black Power thinking. This is the last segment. Um, I wanted you to finish your point. I don't even know if you're going to remember it because we had technical difficulties. But um, can you... um, try as best you can to continue with what you were saying. Yeah. I, I, um, I think we were talking about um, how, how we were describing these people. And I think that what I was talking about is, um, and I don't know, um, and I think it has something to do with voting or something like that. And I might, might be kind of off kill, but I think that the way that I saw these people um, were um, followers of it, it was almost like a, a followers of a, of, a, of a cult because I think we were talking about the mission and you were talking about how they were savvy enough to be able to come together and form this union to be able to get on the Capitol and, and do these different things that they were able to do. And I don't think that that 
necessarily was a level of, of, of savvy because I think that with today's technology, um, with Instagram and Facebook and all these other um, things that are out there, I think it's easy to um, get a focus group or get a group of people um, together to, to, to come together. And I think you had mentioned something like uh, the Million Man March and what that looked like. But I think the difference is in, in this particular um, movement that it was easy for these people who share the same Facebook or Instagram or social media accounts to say, hey, let's get together, let's meet here, let's do X, Y, Z. But I think that um, the agenda um, of some of them was probably misappropriated or misunderstood because I don't know that all of them came for the same reason. I think some of them probably came to protest, um, peacefully protest, but I think others came to cause um, some type of riot. Because I think if it had been an agenda-focused rally or an agenda-focused um, get-together, that you would not have broken into the Capitol to take, to take um, selfies. I think that to, to go that far, to put your life in jeopardy, to put your career in jeopardy, to go in and then take pictures in Nancy Pelosi's chair or to steal a podium, hmm. you know, or to do the things that I saw them doing while they were there, to take letters or to, uh, um, to take mail, you know, to go in people's drawers and, and things like that. It, it didn't make sense to me in terms of a focus group, right? It's almost like when we look at the history of Nat Turner, right? And what Nat Turner did in his revolt. One of the biggest mistakes that Nat Turner made in his revolts was he allowed his people to drink whenever they were whenever they would revolt and go into these people's houses. So they would drink and get drunk, right? And so the, the so the mission initially, I think, was, you know, we are revolted, we're gonna go in and we're gonna burn down these people's houses, we're gonna do XYZ. But then they started going in and not only burning down the people's houses, but then they would get drunk, hmm. which, which, which was a result of their, of them being unsuccessful and them being their own demise. Same way with these people, right? So they, the, whatever their initial agenda was, they got um, distracted, you know, or they didn't really have an agenda. So they went in and then they started to party. Hmm. And they wanted to take selfies and they wanted to take pictures and they became distracted. And as a result of them doing that, now their livelihoods are in jeopardy because now they're facing federal charges, federal charges, and many of them are going to go to prison or going to go to jail. Hmm. I think one of the biggest um, margins of success uh, for the Million Man March was the fact that. Um, the minister made it clear to all of us participants to come there sober and to come there to make an um, with an with a, uh, a solid, solid commitment towards um, not fighting the government but atoning for ourselves. And uh, looking in the mirror rather than um, coming there with anger and 
drugs or anything negative. He made it sure, he implored the people to come there with a positive mind and uh, positive energy. It, it didn't guarantee that the Million Man March would have not ended like uh, the unfortunate circumstances that took place at the U.S. Capitol three days ago, but um, that was the catalyst of um, how we launched a successful nonviolent um, incident-free day of positivity. I think um, even because we're talking about um, both sides of the coin, whether we agree with these people or not, they had a right to assemble and the president addressed them as such and it was sort of a empowering rally until he suggested that they continue this rally down at the U.S. Capitol. Yeah, so I think that um, he as much as responsible as the people that broke in. I think he was an abater. Um, if that if that had been Minister Farrakhan, um, like Dr. Khalid Muhammad, when Dr. Khalid Muhammad had that million youth hmm. march, people blamed Dr. Khalid Muhammad for um, all the atrocities that took place uh, during that march, for all the people that got hurt and all the bad things that happened, they blamed Dr. Khalid for that. Hmm. I think had something like that happened during the Million Man March with uh, Minister Farrakhan Muhammad, they would have blamed him 100%. Um, hmm. They were not able to blame the minister because that didn't happen. But I think in this case, because of what happened with uh, with, with President Trump, I think he should be blamed 100% for what happened in terms of the atrocities that happened because he enabled them and he recommended and suggested to them that they do that. Right. It, it's a slippery slope to be on because um, one of the things that I kept mentioning tonight in our podcast in DF and Universe, One Hour Black Power Thinking, is that we may have to put ourselves in these shoes at some point. So I wanted to look at it as fair as possible and as objective as possibly could be um, done, but um, knowing that it's not totally possible because we do have a side we do have opinions and um, they need to be heard. Um, so for that part of the, the um, discussion, I, I tried to keep it fair tonight, even though I, I do have a side. I do have an opinion about the leader of that debacle. And um that's where we're at. Um, well, I, I think it's interesting, and I think we need to be careful about um, trying to be balanced and trying to be fair, because I don't think that Trump was ever, during this administration, was ever trying to be fair. I think he was clear that he drew the line um, through his four years of where he stood. I think it's clear about where he wanted his constituents and his followers um, to be, and it wasn't fair and balanced. It was either you are with me or you are against me. So I think that we need to be clear. And I think that one of the problems that we had during Barack Obama's administration is that what you're saying tonight is what we have historically done in terms of Black people. We've always tried to be fair. We've always tried to be balanced. 
And I think in us trying to be fair and balanced is where we end up losing. I think that we need to pick a side and we need to stand clear on that side. But because we don't, it's what puts us in the middle of people that don't care about the way we think and take advantage of us trying to be fair and balanced. And I think that we're, we're, some of Barack's biggest problems was he was always trying to be in the middle or he was always trying to be fair. And I think that we as Black people in this country, we have to take a side. We have to say, look, this is right and this is wrong. And if you are going to kill Black people this way, then you need to kill white folks this way. And I'm not saying that killing is right either way. But what I am saying, it's not fair to kill Ahmaud Arbery for jogging through a white community and then not kill a dog jogging through that same community. I'm saying that it's not fair to kill uh, Brother Floyd by putting your neck, by putting your foot on his neck but allowing people to break into the Capitol and not kill them. I'm saying it's not, it's not fair to kill Trayvon Martin for walking through a community, but allowing these people to walk through the Capitol and do the things that they, that, that, that they did and then walk them out. I don't, that's, that's, that's what's not fair. And I think that the problem that we're having in terms of black people in this community. And in terms of this podcast, if you're going to say, you know what, I want to be fair in this podcast because I want everybody to listen to it. Rush Limbaugh is not doing that. You know, Mark Levine is not doing that. They don't care about what you are doing on your podcast. They are, Trump is not caring. They are revving up their base. And they're saying to their base, do this. These people on this side is evil. And I'm saying to black people, and I'm saying in this podcast, I'm not saying incite violence, but I'm saying you need to look at these people as the enemy. You need to look at that side for who they are. Because that's where the imbalance is coming in. That's where you're not being competitive. And that's where you're not being effective is because you are approaching this from a passive position. This passive position is allowing you to be taken advantage of. Hmm. Because you keep walking in the situation where people don't care about you. And they don't care about your livelihood. And they're willing to take your life. Hmm. You need to walk into that situation knowing that these people don't see you like they see themselves. And that's why they are responding to you like that. Hmm. And you need to look at them as who they are. They're murderers. And they respond to themselves differently. A lot more exactly. people should have been um, uh, mortally wounded at the Capitol. And would have been had they been a group of people that were considered blacks hmm. or thugs or hooligans. Hmm. So I, I have to come back to the point uh, where we left off in the last segment uh, we are at the 4.29 a.m. mark in the effing universe. This is the last segment. Um, I have to come back to the point of um, there, there, there has to be some acknowledgement that we can't end racism, nor should we try. But we need to have a backup plan um, 
because things may fail or America may fall into um, not be totally eradicated, but at least fall into the wrong hands. This is a wake-up call not only for the nation, but uh, I'm talking about the American nation, the U.S. government, but this is a wake-up call for black people. And we shouldn't have been asleep in the first place, but um, this is about that fairness that you were speaking of. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that um, some of uh, our conversations get into um, how we see things, right? And I think that um, you um, optimistically speak about us as Black people as a collective, while I think I speak of Black people as, as individuals. And I think that um, the backup plan that you have is 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 you, right? To me, and I'm speaking subjectively, but because I think that um, I think historically, and I think um, traditionally, if we are looking for black people to get together in unison based on anything that has happened historically, I think that's a that is a um, futile um, imagination or ideology in terms of what's going to wake us up as a people. I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think that Black people will consistently uh, be different uh, ideologically, um, religiously. I don't think that we're ever, I don't think anything that, because if slavery wasn't it, then I don't think anything is going to be it that is going to wake us up. And I think that we were divided in slavery. We were divided before slavery. I think that we're going to continue to be divided. But I think that what you do individually as relates to who you are as a person, as relates to who you are as a family person, I think that's what's going to count. So I used Stacey Abrams uh, as an example earlier when I said her losing her election did not stop her from saying, okay, I may have lost this race, but I'm not going to lose the war. And so what she did was she went and reinvigorated the whole city of Georgia, not Atlanta, but Georgia. And I'm saying that in terms of who you are as an individual, if you cannot reinvigorate who you are, then I think thinking, trying to think collectively, I think it's self-destructive. Because if you don't have your shit together, then I think it's futile to think you can put a community together when you can't put yourself together. I think you have to start with you who you are. Start, start, start with you. Start with your base and then move out from there. But you can't mobilize the people if you yourself are not together. Yes, sir. The, um, let's speak about the um, point of... Um, these seats in the uh, Senate now being the um, the center of power now being shifted towards the Democratic um, um, side of the field or court. I don't know the word for that. And, um, 
What was your take on that? Well, again, you know, I, you know, I'm a voter proponent, so I think that that was extremely powerful. I think that um, one of the reasons why Barack Obama in his first two years was successful is because he had the power of the Senate in the House, and so because the uh, economy had tanked because of the power, uh, he spent so much of his first two years trying to pull the economy out of the recession they were in. He was able to do that because he had the power to the, the House and the Senate. So I, I think that was very powerful. I disagree there. Um, he did not have the power to set the... Um, he, he, in fact, did, bro. Explain. When he first came into office, he had the power of the Senate and the House. No. He lost, he, he lost that power after the first two years. I thought he never had it. No, he, he had it in the first who, two years. That's why he was, was the majority uh, leader for the um for the Senate when Barack Obama came into office. I'll continue in a second. <clears throat> but it was definitely Democratic led. He lost that power after the first two years, though. Um, and that's why Mitch McConnell, when Mitch McConnell and them came into office, that's why they said that they were going to make sure that he was going to be a one-term president. Right. Yeah. But the whole fact that um he had to deal with the um the com the 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 country was bankrupt after um the um Bush left office, he made sure there was no money left in the till. Um, we were in higher. This it was the highest deficit the, the country had faced since um, Bill Clinton had left the office, and I could have sworn that we lost. We didn't have. We had the the power of the presidency, but we did not have the either the House or the Congress. I don't know. Yeah. Um... No, I'm 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 almost positive that we that the not we but the Democratic Party was in charge of the um, they had the majority um, during the uh, so, first two years of Barack. So Obama. who kept blocking all of the bills to get um, things passed, like um, the Health Care Act, when Barack Obama became president? Well, you got to understand that he didn't focus on that until after he pulled the economy, um, until after he pulled the economy out of bankruptcy. Right. And, and the first the, the first fight he lost was the fight that um, he had to give corporate welfare. And he 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 was not going to let the I don't think that the, the Senate had any. A major impact on his decision making but he said um, like all the right um, like all all of um, white America thinks that this thing is too big to fail we have to bail out the, the savings and loans the banks all of these corporations major corporations we have to bail them out and that was against the will of anything black 
It's like these these companies have made uh, billions, trillions of dollars off off of um, off of wrongdoing towards and marginalization of people, not only black people, uh, women, all um, types of native people, immigrants, and they were not allowed to fail. Why do you say they were not allowed to fail? They bailed out the banks under the 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 um the Barack uh, administration. That wasn't supposed to happen. Not if a Democrat was in the office. Um. Here's something that uh, Russell Brand said. He's a comedian, but um, he said it. In the proper context, uh, I think that we need to look at it. And he said that um, if you p- compare Clinton, Reagan, no, um, Clinton, Obama, who else was it? Clinton and Obama to Reagan, Bush, and um, Trump. There were more drone strikes, more uh, bailouts of um, corporations, more um, billionaires um, in unjustly enriched. The 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 divide of um, norm, regular people towards um, people with money increased under those democratic in um administrations as there were so they all had the same type of thinking the same type of decision making no matter who was in office but yet we get the impression as a people not just black people but the the voter um the voter pool, that there is a divide between these two sections of, um, or two factions of um, democracy. And this is coming from a, a, a man from Britain looking at it from a perspective that we don't see. So in the last segment, I want it not to be fair but to be um, able to look at it from a perspective that is not um, tied to some motive or some benefit or means to an end, but from people that have no, um, no stick in the fight, but can see things that we don't see from the inside. Yeah, so I think that all of that is subjective, right? So to me, it has um, to be. I don't know who that. And that's right. what I, I'll challenge right. you on. It, things have to be subjective, brother, because they have to be analyzed. You can't have an analysis yeah. without being subjective. But what you try to do is try to give the perspective of not only one side 
but of both sides or multiple sides in the fight. I don't think that's fairness. I think that's uh, the best approach to objectiveness is to have some type of sub- subjectivity, but to put it all into question. And that's why I question the um, the American government. I question the parties, Democratic or Republican, the voting mechanism, um, the individual, the sickness of in- individuality, and say that we need to have a collective that goes, and you're right about the part of um, there being, there needs to be, you can't have shit unless you are self-empowered. So there has to be some individual. But to say that collectively is a mistake or is problematic is not what I I can agree with. Yeah, and 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 that and that's fine because I'm not necessarily looking for agreement because I think historically we as black folks have always disagreed. I'm I'm fine with agreeing to disagree. Um, I just think at the end of the day, your your power is within you, um, and you are as empowered or you are as powerful as any group that you want to lead. And I don't care if it's I don't care if it's just your home, right? To me, you know, if you're not powerful at home, if you don't have a a voice at home, you know, in that that small setting, then I think that it starts there. But I think that you have to start with you. And I think that you have to be the example of the change that you want to see. So while we can critique or criticize voting, or or anybody that votes or the voting process, that's fine. You can sit, we can, we can sit on the sideline and criticize that as much as possible. But at the end of the day, when we're looking in the mirror, what are we doing individually? And if all we're doing is criticizing, you know, if all we're doing is critiquing everybody else, let's be honest with who we are. Let's be honest with what we are doing. And so there's a level of accountability I think that we have to have within ourselves. And if the biggest level of accountability is criticizing somebody else for what they're doing and we aren't doing anything, then I think the mirror needs to be reflected on who we are. And uh, on that note, we are at the 31 minute mark. Um, we uh, we want to go another session. Uh, but I don't know. I may have about 15 minutes. Okay. Um, we'll be right back in the effing universe. One hour of black power thinking. Uh, you were correct. The um, House majority and the Senate majority were Democratic when Obama came into office. Yeah. I'd like to make another point about that when we return. Um, We are back in the effing universe. One hour of black power thinking. Um, welcome back, Dr. Moore. Peace to God. Peace.
Um, the the one thing that I wanted to say, um, Senate and House Majority, when uh, Barack Obama came into office, was the fact that um, it was the greatest loss of power for the Democrats when he came into office. And that's how they lost the... Um, which did they lose? The House or, or the Senate? They lost the Senate, right? They lost the Senate two years later. Right. Just by the fact of this nigga coming into office. And, and I'm, I'm speaking of in terms of the people that made this possible. For them to lose lose the uh, the Senate like that, that that's racism, brother. Yeah, but so what? I mean, that's almost like saying Trump became president as a result of Barack Obama. He did, you right? See that? Yeah, but I'm saying, yeah, but that's America. So, I, I, I racist, yeah, but America is racist. So. It's it. That's America. It, I, I I think understanding and accepting America. It's almost like having a mental illness to me, right? It's like you can want to believe you are as normal as you want to believe, right? Regardless of your circumstances, whether you grew up poor, rich, whatever, you, you can say, you know what? I'm not going to see a therapist. You know, I know I got some issues, but. I'm just going to keep living like I'm living. It's almost looking at America like that, right? It's almost looking to me. It's like, I know America got some issues, but, you know, I, I it's almost like you don't want to, not you per se, but people not wanting to deal with that. America is a sick society. America has issues. Racism is probably one of the biggest ones. So trying to suppress or deny or not deal with it is the biggest sickness of America. And so, so, so I'm saying trying to ignore that or saying um, racism exists. Yeah, racism exists. It will always exist in this country. That is, it's, 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 it's like me looking at my lifeline, my bloodline, and, and understanding where I come from. I can't change where I come from. That's the history of where I come from. You know, I come from an abusive family. I come from not having a father. I come from a history of of men not being in the family. I come from that. I can't change that. All I can change is me. And that's why I keep harping on the point of who you are and what you do and what you're going to do. Because if I'm looking at my family as a unit, as making a change, that's a self-defeatist attitude to me because I know I can't change my family. But what I can change is me. And so at the end of the day, my biggest goal is to work on me, is to work is to work on how I am going to be the change that I want to see, how I'm going to be the example that I want to set for, for, for other people, whether they change, whether they change or not. 
Oh, at the end of the day, my biggest responsibility is to me. So what I want to do and what I work on every day is me and my household. And anything outside of that, I can't, I have limited control of. Whether it be my sister, whether it be my brother, my uncles, my aunts, or whatever, I don't I have limited control of that. But what I what I do have control of is me and what I'm going to do every day. And I'm gonna live that that day and how I'm going to exemplify that day. Yeah. Um one the the thing that I, I I'm not um clear on is we started the podcast saying that um, the notion of getting rid of racism is infallible. It's it's not viable it, to even think that way. The racism is going to exist whether we like it or not. Yeah. But Absolutely. How, how can you say that in one instance? And then in another instance, say that um, we have to accept. Are you saying that that we need to accept that it is not going to go away? Yes, I am saying that. I'm not saying that you are saying that. Mm -hmm. Then how is it possible that we don't think in terms of black power? Now, you may not believe in black power, brother, but in terms of black power, we need some viable alternatives. Bro, I, I, I think that I don't know how you're defining black power, right? And so that might be what needs to be what, what needs to be clear. Because I think that the nation of Islam is black power. I think that the SCLC was black power. I think the Black Panther Party was black power. I think that NAN is black power. I think that the board versus um, the board of education is black power. I think that Plessy versus Ferguson is black power. I, I don't think that, that there's one thing that defines black power, but I think that fighting, I think that black power to me means fighting in spite of you're not because there's black power doesn't mean that you eradicate racism. I don't think that you eradicate racism. I don't think that you eradicate evil. I don't think that you eradicate um, mean people, evil people. I don't think that's. I don't think that that's realistic. I think that's always going to be the case, and I don't think that. I don't care if it's black people, white people, Asian people, Chinese people. Japanese people. I think there's always going to be crime. I think there's always going to be um, killing, murders. I think there's always going to be that, regardless of whatever race that there is. I don't think that you eradicate that. I think that's unrealistic. So when people talk about black-on-black crime, I think that's stupid to say, because I think black-on-black crime is as relevant as white-on-white crime, is Japanese-on-Japanese, Chinese-on-Chinese, any race on any race. I think people kill in terms of proximity. So I think talking about eradicating racism, I think is, I, you know, I, I don't know how much of a valid argument I think that that is. Yeah, I don't think you eradicate that. I think that that is what it is. It's a reality. I think it's about accepting that. That has nothing to do with you fighting 
and believing in who you are. I think because racism exists doesn't mean you stop existing. I think you fight in spite of racism. I think that if you live in this country or wherever it is that you're going to live, you're, you're going to have atrocities, you're going to have trials and tribulations, but I don't think that you stop fighting because of that. I think you fight in spite of that. Yes, sir. Um, one of the, the thing that um, it's a misplaced modifier is what the word I'm looking for. It's not eradicating um, racism. That should be our objective. Nor should our objective be um, eradicating um, injustice. Our goal not just for the nation of Islam or black power in general. Our goal is the self-improvement, which we talk about on the individual level, but extending that self-improvement to the collective. And that collective has to put into place a system that promotes and contributes to our betterment in society better than what we're doing now. We are excelling on an individual level and complete failure as a society. We have no respect around the world. People, immigrants come here from other countries and they buy into the fact that um, stay away from them niggas because they ain't no good. Even our own people uh, know the truth of the, of the matter is we need to stay away from our own people because they will kill you. They will do some ignorant shit to you. They are well-meaning but totally socially inept and underclass. We, we've been trained and taught to be underclass. As an individual, we learn how to rise above that. But how do we not look back? How do we not reach back and say, this community needs help. This community needs a new paradigm. Well, here's what I think. I think that that way that you're describing that is very subjective. I think that every race of people in this country feels that way. I think that um, every race of people has that subgroup. I think that white people feel that way about certain white folks. And I think that that's why they move away from certain white folks. You don't see rich white folks allowing trailer park white folks to live in their neighborhoods. They set, they section off trailer park white folks from rich white folks. I think that same way with Chinese and Japanese people. I think that they're um, well-off Chinese people, well-off Japanese people, and I don't think that they really affiliate, and I think that they say, hey, you know that there's going to be some people that are going to come from our country that are going to be poor, and 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 they're going to be thieves and crooks, so let's stay away from them. I think that that's the case with every group of people, but I think that we, um, when we're having this discussion in terms of the Black community, I think we're only focusing on the Black community, like it's just us that thinks that way. But I don't think that that's the case. I think that every race of people feel that way. I don't think that all Jewish people feel the same way. 
You know, I don't think that all uh, Spanish people feel the same way. You know, I, you know, I don't think that J Lo um, is. I, I think that she's doing what she can, but I don't think she's gonna move back to her hood. You know, um, I don't think that all Italians feel that that way. You know, I think that some Italians, you know, separate themselves from the mafia. You know, so I, I think that in having this conversation and being fair to all ethnicities, I think that a lot of us, you know, regardless of our ethnicity, we, we feel that way. So I think that we want to be careful in terms of how hard we want to be on one another in terms of thinking and feeling that way, because, you know, I don't think that all black people want to be around black folks. I think that some black folks feel like, you know what, um, hey, I don't live in the hood no more. You know, or I don't want my kids to grow up and go to this school in the hood. So I, I, I you know, I guess my pushback is that I think that our problem is a problem that all races have, but I think that we're having the conversation because we're both black. But I think internally, a lot of different ethnicities probably have the same conversation. The 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 fact that um, the um, hmm, that is correct, sir. Uh, I have to say that, but that is what I consider to be the problem. Not only of black power, but the power of society to improve um, the opposite of a utopia, a perfect society, is a dystopia. This is the the fall of a of a a, a society or nation from within. That's what's going to happen whether we want to believe it or not and there needs to be a black backup plan the the fact that all throughout history including the most one of the most um historically ancient um civilizations fell from within the ancient egyptian society it fell because there was a disregard for the multiple or masses of people. That has nothing to do with black, white, Chinese, Japanese. It has something to do with how could you, as Dr. Martin Luther King considered, how could you be on this side of the island and ignore the fire going on on the other side of the island. Eventually, that fire is going to reach you. Yeah. So, so, I, so here's the thing. Like, I appreciate your perspective, and I appreciate where you are because we we need that voice, right? Um, everybody can't be my voice. Everybody can't be your voice. So, um, I just want to be clear to to the listening audience in saying that. Uh, your perspective in terms of the black collective is needed, right? Uh, and and I'm not trying to overshadow that or or talk that. I I respect that and love that. I think it's needed um, because we 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 need that voice that's going to speak for um, 
the vast majority of us. But I think that um, where we sometimes collide is that I'm always pushing, um, I think, individuality as opposed to the collective, because I just feel like for me, what has worked in my life um, has not been the group, but been what I have chosen to do. But part of the reason why you and I are teammates, part of the reason why you and I are friends is because we we both see both sides. That right? is correct, brother. Right. And and so, you know, I am not trying to condemn that that, that ideology at all. I, I respect it and, and I love it. It's just that, you know, I um, have to applaud you on that side, being able to do that because everybody is not willing to do that. Mm. And I'm just on this other side. I don't even know if I want to say on the other side, but um, while I'm trying to promote you, I'm trying to make sure that I push myself. Yes, sir. But I think for the sake of the audience that I need, I, I would love for the whoever's listening to understand that we're not um, against one another. Right. You know, but we're trying to tag team um, a problem in the black community right. in the best way that we know how. Indeed. You know, and you approaching it from a collective while I am, you know, talking about individual responsibility. And I think that we need both. Yes, sir. That is well said, brother. Well timed. We are at the 18 minute mark in the effing universe. One hour of black power thinking. Um, I think we're going to end it here tonight, brother. Um, wanted to have any last words in these last two minutes of um, the show to be able to say or talk about any topic that you wanted to talk about. No, but I think we, we've had a um, um, challenging conversation tonight with the technical difficulties. But yes, I think sir. at the but I think at the end of um, at the end of the night, our, our, our end goal, uh, particularly for any potential um, listening audience, is that um, you always open the conversation with Black Power Thinking, um, and Black Power Thinking is not individual, <laughs> you know. And I think that what we do often is is show the audience that that Black Power Thinking is Black Power Thinking. This is you, it's me, is everyone that's out in the audience. It's who we are, right? right? And, 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 and not you being right or me being right or you being wrong or me being wrong. It's, it's about black power thinking. And black power thinking is inclusive of all of us. Right. Including non-black. You don't <laughs> have to be black to understand this power that we seek. Right. You just have to be either willing to participate or get out of the way. Yep. Um, yep. We don't want to stop anybody else's success and progress, nor do we want ours to be um, stopped. And so that's why I was saying that there's a strange alliance of bedfellows. Um, you may find yourself being on the side of your enemy. If your goal is to be empowered. That's it. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah, power corrupts. Indeed. Uh, Once again, we want to um, have a um, a solemn moment of um, reflection on the people that passed due to this um, U.S. Capitol siege. And um, we don't take it lightly. We understand from different perspectives the implication of such an event in history. And with that, I thank you again for your impact and feedback, Dr. Moore, uh, for another successful night in the effing universe. Indeed. Peace. I'll call you back. Indeed.